Amen. Um, let's get into our series today. Would that be all right with somebody? Can we just get right into part three of our fearless series? I love, I don't know about you, but this series has been just personally powerful for me. Uh, every time when I'm preparing and studying um, to preach, at some point in the preparation, I go, oh, I know who this sermon is for. It's for you, preacher man. You need this. And um, and I just am so grateful for God's word because it is a feast for our soul. And I'm going to serve up a very healthy uh, portion today. I'm going to read you a very long passage from 1 Samuel 17, but don't think long means boring. Okay. Okay. Somebody, I need, I'm going to need you to work with me a little bit this morning. I just, I feel like the cold might've just frozen you up a little bit. So warm it up. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you this long passage. It's a beautiful passage. It describes this epic battle between uh, a giant and a not-so-giant. So let me read you this passage, and then we'll dive into it. This is 1 Samuel chapter 17. It says this. It says, Saul replied. Saul is speaking to David. Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth, and he's been a warrior since he was young. David answered Saul and said, your servant, meaning me, uh, has been tending his father's sheep. And whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it and I struck it down and I rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. I'm already into this story. Are you guys into this? Man, David is just bringing it. He's like, look, I've done this before. I'm not afraid of this guy. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, okay, you go ahead and do it then. Nobody else is volunteering. Nobody else has given me a strong pitch like that. You go fight the giant. Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and had him put on armor. David strapped his sword on over the military clothes and tried to walk, but he was not used to them. I can't walk in these, David said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Instead, he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the wadi, which means the creek or the, or, the, uh, or the brook. And he put them in the pouch in the shepherd's bag. Then with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. The Philistine came closer and closer to David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked at David and saw David, he despised him because he was just a youth, healthy and handsome. He said to David, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? Then he cursed David by his own gods. Come here, the Philistine called to David, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts. So the Goliath, Goliath is saying, look, I'm going to tear you up from limb to limb and feed you to the buzzers is what I'm going to do. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a dagger and with a spear and with a sword, but I come against you in the name of Yahweh, Lord of hosts, the God of Israel's army. You have defied him. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. 
Today, I'll strike you down, cut off your head, and give the corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God, and this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. I just want to someday, I just want to preach like that someday. I just want to have that kind of flow. I'm going to keep working on that. Keep watching T.D. Jakes and see what we can come up with. When the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in the bag, took out a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. David ran and stood over him. He grabbed the Philistine sword, pulled it from its sheath, and used it to kill him. Then he cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they ran. David took Goliath's head and brought it to Jerusalem. And then notice this line. But he put Goliath's weapons in his own tent. He put Goliath's weapons in his own tent. Today, I want to preach for just a few moments on the topic, stealing the enemy's weapons, stealing the enemy's weapons. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that your word would go forth with clarity, with truth, uh, and with power. And we pray, God, that this would not only be an informative sermon, but it would be a transformative sermon. We pray that your word would go out and change us. Uh, change each and every one of us. Fill us with the confidence and the courage and the fearlessness to, to face the giants that we all face. And Father, we ask that in this you would be praised and you would be honored and you would be glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Somebody would shout amen. I would appreciate that. Amen. All right. Um, everybody, what I notice when they read this story, everybody resonates with the story. And there, I think the reason is because everybody loves an underdog. We all love the underdog story. We all love it when somebody weaker overcomes somebody stronger. We love it when somebody smaller overtakes somebody bigger. And we love it when, when the humble overtakes the proud. And we see it all throughout life, and we just love these stories. When Buster Douglas defeated Mike Tyson, do you know how crazy everybody went? This is probably a little bit early for some of y'all. Any boxing people? Okay, okay, okay. Four, four of us like that, that fight. Um, when Holly Holm defeated Ronda Rousey. Eh, now, I'm losing you guys. on. I'm going I'm to switch gears. How about, um, you know, in, in business, when Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, both high school dropouts, you know, took on the electronics industry and came up with Apple computers and basically took over the world. People love that kind of a story because it's, it's somebody small took on something huge and overcame it. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the Harriet movie. When Harriet Tubman took on the transatlantic slave industry, this one woman, and overcame these slave masters. I mean, it's a powerful story of, of, of small defeating big, of, uh, of justice overcoming injustice. And we love these stories. We love the underdog story because all of us have experienced at some point in our life the perspective of being the underdog. We've all been, we've all faced situations that are bigger than us at some point in our life. We've all faced circumstances or problems 
or pain or difficulty that is bigger than us. We've all experienced that. Maybe when you were a kid, there was somebody bigger at your school who, who, you know, picked on you and you didn't know how to defeat them. And you know what it feels like to be the underdog. But I think a lot of us, we don't have to dig back into the memory bank. We've all experienced circumstance and some of you are experiencing them right now. Situations in your life that seem overwhelming. Situations in your life that you don't know if you can get through. Uh, Some of you even today are facing financial giants in your life. You're so swamped with debt, you do not know how you're going to get out of it. And you're thinking to yourself, this is an insurmountable problem that I cannot claw my way out of. Some of you I know are, are, are experiencing relationship hardships, difficulties in your relationships that are looming so large, that are so daunting. As you look at them, you just think there's no way around this. There's no way through this. I, I don't even know how to address this problem. It's so big. It's a giant in my life. It's a Goliath in my life. Or, or some of you today, your, your children are suffering. They're suffering uh, from mental trauma or emotional trauma, something that they're going through, anxiety and fear and depression, and they're going through these problems, and you as a parent are just going to yourself, how can I help this child? This problem is so much bigger than me. I don't even know how to address it. I don't even know how to go forward into it. We're all, we're all facing these situations somewhere in our life. Some of us have parents that are going through uh, a painful diagnosis. Uh, either heart issues or maybe it's cancer or whatever it is. It's, we're, we're seeing people suffer. We're seeing people that we love suffer. And, and it's so overwhelming and it's so giant that we just, we really don't even know how to address it. And so maybe we decide, okay, instead of addressing it, I'm just going to avoid it. I'm just going to like step away from it. I'm going to try not to think about it. Maybe I'll pray about it, but then I'm going to try to keep it away from me because I just, I don't know how to address these giants. And what I find powerful about David in this moment, in this story, is that he does, he approaches the problem of the giant in a way that I think if we can grasp some of this, it will, it will give us the strength and the courage and the power to, to, to address our giants in a brand new way. And I want to talk for, for just a moment. I want to talk for just a moment about the, the idea of perspective. I want to talk for just a moment on, on the perspective that David took when he faced the giant. Because, and I, I need you to just really concentrate with me on this because I'm going to try to say something that I, it, I, it's hard to convey the whole idea. So I want you to really focus in with me on this. You see, most of the times when we face problems in our life, um, we either avoid them or we very l- reluctantly address them, right? And we may, we may pray, God, get me through this problem. Or, or God, get this problem away from me, right? Th- these are the kinds of prayers that we have. We say, God, I just, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to uh, addressing this problem. Can you just help me? And when we read the story of David and Goliath, a lot of times what we read is that the, the idea that God will protect us from our problems, right? And that is true. That is true. Sometimes God will protect us from our problems. But, but there's a perspective that I want us to get today uh, about our problems that I think will allow us to attack our problems with a greater sense of confidence and courage and power. Because when David saw Goliath, he didn't just see a problem. He saw an opportunity. 
he saw an opportunity for advancement. He didn't just see something to avoid. He saw something that would actually advance him as a person. And the reason I know that is because if you look at the question that David asked when he saw the, the, the giant, he said this, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? So get with me here, because David saw the Philistine not as a problem to avoid, but as an opportunity to advance. He said, what will happen to the one who kills him? In other words, I'd like to move forward in life, and I wonder if by killing this giant, I can actually advance my mission, my hope. My... So he wasn't looking at the giant and asking God just to protect him from the giant. Follow me. He's asking God to promote him through the giant. Anybody, anybody understand what I'm talking about this morning? The reality is this. God, God gives you strength not to just deal with the problems. He gives you strength to overcome the problem. And then when you overcome the problem, you are further along into the person that he wants you to be. You're further into your destiny. You're further into your purpose. You're further into your calling. You're more developed. You're stronger. You're braver. You're more courageous on the other side of the problem. So it's not something that we should, when we have these looming problems in our life, they're not something to avoid. They're something to attack. Come on, somebody. I know Shaw's shouting down there. You guys shouting at Shaw? All right. So, so watch how David does this, right? So he sees the problem. What's going to happen? Can I, can I advance? And in fact, yes, it turns out Saul says, well, you'll get to marry my daughter and um, uh, you can avoid taxes. Amen, somebody, right? And so David is like, well, yeah, and he's defying the armies of the Lord. So even if my motives are mixed, I'm still going to go after it, right? Some, some for me, some for you, God, and let's do it, right? So that's David. And then, and this is how he approached him. Put the next scripture. When the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly to the giant. He ran toward, not from. In other words, the, the problem was not like, uh, maybe I could just get up near. No, he's rushing at the problem because he knows that the problem, on the other side of the problem, he gets promoted. You understand? The problem was the, was the, was the pathway to his purpose ultimately and it, you know you might think okay that's a fun fun phrase your problem is the pathway to your purpose right that's a that's a good phrase you should write that down it's really true it's really good but it's not just a pat phrase because i'll ask you this question who would david be without goliath we would not know we would never have heard him he would have been a shepherd in bethlehem like like you know thousands of shepherds before him over thousands of years that no one would have ever heard of he would not be the king of Israel. He would not be anything. He would be anointed, but he wouldn't be appointed if he didn't actually attack the giant. If he came to the giant and said, Ooh, <laughs> I'm going to back off of this one. We would never have heard of David. It was actually the giant. David needed the giant to get where David needed to go. Sometimes the problems in front of you, it, it's not saying that they're not problems. I'm not Pollyanna. I'm not saying, Oh, they're fine. You know, no, they're problems, right? But they're problems that if you walk through them, you will end up stronger and better and braver on the other side of the problem. I'm going to give you two phrases. You should write this down. It took me a long time to come up with these. Your dilemma is the doorway to your destiny. I mean, that, that's, that's real. The doorway to David becoming king. The women of Israel would not have sang, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands, if David had walked away from the battlefield. 
So I just want to say to some of us today, I want us to shift our perspective about our problems. I want us to look at the problems through the lens of God's power in our life and say, you know what? It's a problem. I'm not saying it's not a problem, but it's, an, it's, it's, a, it's a problem that's going to advance me. It's a problem that ultimately is going to promote me into my destiny if I walk through it by the power of God in my life today. Amen, somebody? All right, so that sermon was for somebody, but we're going to do sermon number two right now. Are you ready? Because it wasn't just perspective. It wasn't just perspective. There was also an element of preparation. So David, David, before he attacked Goliath, before he fought Goliath, he had actually fought some other very large, strong, vicious enemies. I mean, he said that, right? He was a shepherd protecting his dad's sheep. And when he's pitching his, you know, the opportunity to fight to Saul, he talks about the fact that he's, this isn't his first rodeo. He's been there before. Remember what he said to Saul? He said, Saul, listen, whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from, from the flock, I went after it and I struck it down and I rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur. I would strike it down and I would kill it. And then he said this, your servant has killed lions and bears. I've done this. I've done this kind of thing before. I, this isn't the first time I'm going to face something vicious. This isn't the first time I've, I've overcome a problem. This isn't the first time that I've faced adversity. This isn't the first time that I've faced a situation that other people would avoid and I attacked. This isn't the first time. I've been doing this for a long time, Saul. And then he says, this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be like one of them. Because I've got, I've got a little bit of preparation. I've, I've overcome some giants in the past, which gives me the confidence and the courage to know that I'm going to overcome some giants in the future. Do you understand? I, um, my wife got me a, a bow and arrow set for Christmas. And I just think it's just so wonderful. And I love it. And it looks really cool. And I feel cool when I hold it, when I walk and, and I pull the string back. And I can imagine myself in the woods stalking my prey with my moccasins on silently moving. And there's a bear. And I'm going to bring the bear home and to the family. We're going to eat grizzly for dinner. We're going to have grizzly sirloin. And then even though my kids are vegetarians, it'd be very problematic, but, but still I have the, I, I, I can see it, right? The problem is I have, I, I need a little more work in the backyard before I can go do what I need to do in the forest. I need a little more practice before I can step onto the battlefield. And I can tell you this because the day after Christmas, I was, I started, I, I got it. And I just, you know, you kind of think like, I don't know if you ever do this. I do this all the time. You see the end result but you don't see all of the work that goes before the end result. So I, I made myself a target. I put circles and I, I wrote little numbers and everything. I was already, I put, got, put, knocked the arrow. I pulled it back. I ended up um, destroying the killing, actually, the ice chest. Next, <laughs> next to um, the target. That ice chest, I destroyed that ice. I, I, Pulled it up by its fur, and I killed that ice chest. Uh, my boys were very impressed because the hole goes all the way through the lid, completely all the way through the lid. What I thought about doing was taking a Sharpie and drawing a circle around the arrow there and making that worth a 1,000 points, but that's a different sermon. So the reality is this. David is saying, look, I've done this before. I've been practicing doing this for a long time. So I see this, I see this behemoth, right? I see this giant, and I know that you know, I've attacked Asiatic lions and I've killed them. 
and Syrian brown bears, and I've killed them. And this guy is not as fast as either one of those, has teeth much smaller than those, and I will take this thing out because I've got some practice under my belt. The reason we do 25 days of prayer, fasting, and fitness is so that you can get some practice under your belt. So you can spend some time in scripture and you can spend some time in the word and you can spend some time around some other believers who will encourage you as you're facing the smaller problems so that when you walk out onto the battlefield, you can face a bigger problem and you've got some practice under your belt. You've had some experience. The reason we do life groups is because you meet every week and in those weeks you're reading the scripture and you're developing and you're growing. You know, uh, musicians call it woodshedding. Actors call it rehearsing. Uh, the army calls it drilling. Whatever you want to call it, you know, if, 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 you know practice. Whatever you want to call it, it's, it's, it's the growth of spiritual disciplines. It's so that when you face the giant on the battlefield, you'll say, you know what, I've, I've done this in the, in, the, in the sheep field before, and I've conquered it back here. I'm feeling pretty confident that I'm going to conquer it out here, right? So it's not just perspective. What, we're, what God is calling us to do, and this isn't the fun part. The fun part is just the the habituation of the practices that God has given us in order to overcome the giants. Because what I see happen a lot is that when people face a, a massive giant in their life, whatever it is, they come to church and they have not been prepared for the battle that they're facing. And so they're scrambled and they're freaked out and they're worried because they haven't fought the battle before and they haven't won before, right? And it's okay. Come. Come and get strong and develop and grow so that when these battles come along, you say, you know what? I've done this before. I've been through this before. And I'm going to go attack this battle because I got advanced by the last enemy that I attacked. And I'm going to get advanced by this enemy that I'm, that I'm attacking because God has a destiny for me. And I've got to move through some of these I've got to move through some of these enemies to get to my destiny. Amen, somebody? I'm going to give you two scriptures. They're not, in the, they're not on the slides. Romans 5 says, we glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings. Because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. So we go after this stuff. We attack it. We keep going. We keep practicing it. James 1 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Because it's through the trial that you'll develop patience. And then it says, let, let patience have its full effect so that you will become perfect, lacking in nothing. It's actually facing the problem over and over and over and over again that grows you into the man or the woman that God is calling you to be so that you can face bigger giants down the road. Bigger giants means bigger victories. Amen, somebody? I better move on to the next point. Um, so the, you've, got the, you've, got, you've got this perspective. We're developing the practices and the, the preparation. And then there's a deeper part of the story that I think we can miss if we're not careful. And that's the element of predictability. Predictability. Because the reason that every other Israelite said, I'm not going to go fight that giant, is because the only way that they could think of to fight this giant was the same way the giant was going to fight them. And that's by hand-to-hand -hand combat. That's a sword and a spear and a dagger. And every Israelite on that line rightly understood that if I go and attack this enemy, according to the enemy's rules, the enemy will crush me. He'll crush me because he's bigger, he's stronger, he's meaner, he's uglier, he's, you know, and I can't fight him in the way that he wants me to fight him. If I do, I'm a dead man. David didn't see it like that. David saw the giant and goes, I'm not going to fight that guy with a sword. Are you kidding me? That guy will crush me. 
In fact, when Saul tried to get David to, to, to wear his armor, David, for a second, thought, okay, well, you know, this is what's expected of me. This is what Saul assumes I'm supposed to do, and everybody assumes it. David strapped the sword on over the military clothes, tried to walk. He was not used to them. I can't walk in these, David said. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Instead, it says this, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his pouch from the brook. and put. This is what he was used to because he's going to... Everybody predicts, everybody thinks, everybody assumes you got to fight the giant according to the giant's rules. The only, the only reason you're an underdog is if, is if you choose to fight the enemy according to the enemy's rules. If you play the game by the enemy's rules, you'll get crushed. But God has given you a different way to fight. He's given you an unpredictable way to fight. David, everybody else saw the giant and said, he's so big, he will kill me. David saw the giant and said, he's so big, I can't miss. I mean, I might not be great at, at, at throwing stones, but that guy is so big, I'm going to take him out with a stone, and I'm not going to get anywhere near the giant. Are you tracking with this, this idea? Is that David is saying, look, if David had tried to fight Goliath with a sword and a spear, David would have gotten slaughtered. But God didn't call David to fight with a sword and a spear. God called David to use the gifts, to use the tools, to use the strengths that God had given David to fight the battle that was before him. God has given each and every one of you unique gifts, unique abilities, unique tools. Stop trying to fight the enemy according to the enemy's rules. Stop playing the game by the enemy's rules. Start fighting him with the gifts and the strengths and the talents and the abilities that he gave you. Stop trying to be like somebody else. Be like the way you are, right, for the glory of God. Use the gifts and the strengths that he gave you. Let me illustrate this. We're, we're going to celebrate Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. So every year, this is, this is something we celebrate. And what I find really compelling about the way he structured the civil rights movement and the way he pursued it is that there, the enemy that he was fighting um, came at him with all kinds of weapons, uh, guns and tanks and nooses and hatred and vitriol and bias and bigotry and prejudice. Now, if, if he had chosen to fight using the same rules, guns and nooses and tanks and vitriol and bias and prejudice, first of all, he would have gotten crushed. The movement would have been crushed because he didn't have enough hate and guns and nooses and vitriol and prejudice to fight the enemy according to the enemy's own uh, terms. So he decided he was going to fight a different way. He was going to fight with love and he was going to fight with justice and he was going to fight with peace and he was going to fight with dignity. And the reality was those weapons actually exposed the weakness of the enemy. And those weapons made everybody go, oh yeah, these other weapons are wrong and bad. And he won the hearts of the people because he was able to use the weapons that God had given him to defeat the enemy at the enemy's own game. In fact, I I love this quote. I love the quote. He says this. He says, we did not hesitate to call our movement an army. So there was a fight. Okay, there is a battle, but it was a special army with no supplies, but its sincerity, no uniform, but its determination, no arsenal, except its faith, no currency, except its conscience. He said, look, I'm going to take on the enemy, but I'm not going to play by the enemy's rules. 
I'm going to play by God's rules. I'm going to use what God gave me. I'm going to use the strengths and the talents and the gifts that God gave me to take on an enemy that's bigger than me, and I'm going to defeat that enemy. Anybody tracking with me this morning? God has given you, the, the scripture says this. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have been given, whatever gift you have received, according to God's varied graces. What that means is there's a variety. Varied means grace, that means variety. Each one of you has been given unique and specific gifts. He says, you should use those gifts to serve others to the best of your strength so that God may be glorified. All of us today are facing giants in our life, and we cannot take on those giants according to the giant's rules. We have to take them on according to God's rules, approach it differently, approach it uniquely, and we can take out the enemy if we don't let the enemy near us. That was what David was saying. He's like, that enemy, he can have the biggest sword in the world, but he's going to be 20 feet away from me. It's never going to touch me. Are you tracking with me this morning? All right, I'm going to close it out in just a minute with this. There's one more element I want to bring home to you today, and that is, I'm going to call it the prize, the prize. Now, at the beginning of the sermon, I said that the sermon title was stealing the enemy's weapons. When we look at the story of David and Goliath, if you ask somebody, hey, how did David kill Goliath? Our first instinct, our first impulse, because we've heard this story over and over, and usually we only read up to a portion, a, a portion of the story, uh, what we a lot of times find is that people will say, um, David killed Goliath with a sling and a stone, right? And that is partially true. That is partially true. That's what, that's what initially got the ball rolling, okay? But I want you to look at this scripture because this is fascinating. Here's what it says. After he threw the stone, David ran and stood over Goliath. He grabbed the Philistine's sword. He, he, he watch me now. He grabbed Goliath's sword, pulled it from its sheath, and used it to kill him. Did you notice that? He used the enemy's sword to kill the enemy. He used the enemy's sword, the sword that was formed and designed to kill him. He used that weapon to defeat the enemy. And he used it to kill him. Then he cut off his head. And then then this is what he did. He took Goliath's head and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put Goliath's weapons in his own tent. Okay. Just, I want you to get this, okay? He took Goliath's weapons and turned them into his trophies. He stole the enemy's weapons, brought them into his tent, so that down the road, he could bring people into his tent and he say, you see that big, huge sword? God delivered me from that sword. That enemy that was formed against me is now in my trophy case. That, that enemy, that the, that the, the, the weapon that the enemy is trying to use against you, when you attack the enemy by the power of the Holy Spirit, the very weapon that God used against you becomes a trophy in your testimony. Do you understand? There are people right here in our church that lead life groups called recovery life groups. Recovery life groups from, you know, heavy stuff different addictions and hang-ups and hardships and all kinds of pain and stuff. And one of the beautiful things, when you talk to them, they actually point to the weapon that was attacking them, and they point to it 
as a trophy in their testimony. They say, you know, you see that, you see that addiction? Yeah, God, God allowed me to overcome that. And now I'm going to show it to you to show you what God can do. They took, they stole the enemy's weapons. And now the weapons are trophies in their own tent. This is the reality for, for each one of us. When we actually begin to see our problems as an opportunity for our advancement, when we actually start to attack the problems because we can, we can find promotion through the problem, right? Not just protection from the problem. Then we get to walk through the problem going, I'm going to take that and I'm going to take that and I'm going to take that weapon. And when I get all the way through this, I'm going to show my kids, hey, look what, look what God delivered me from. Look what God, look how God brought me through. And now I've got these weapons and he doesn't have them no more. And when the enemy tries to attack me with those same weapons that he used in the past, I go, hey, where's your sword? It's in my tent. I've, I own that sword now. Bug off, right? Because that's mine now. This is, this is ultimately what Christ does when he comes into our life because the major, the major weapon that the enemy uses against us is the enemy of death. Ultimately, there's death. You can, you know, ultimately you're going to die, right? So no matter what, ultimately I've got you. I'm going to bring you down. Jesus says, you know what? I think I need to take that weapon from the enemy. So he says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to pretend that I'm surrendering, but I'm actually stealing your weapon. I'm going to allow myself to be killed. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to stay there for three days. I'm going to rise up. Now I own death. So whatever, whatever is being used to attack you now, I want you to own it. I want you to attack it. I want you to go after it because God has fought the battle for you. In fact, that's what I'm going to end with. The scripture says the battle, this is what David's secret weapon is. The battle, he said, is the Lord's. It's the, the battle is the Lord's. The weapons are the Lord's. The enemy is the Lord's. The terrain is the Lord's. The rocks are the Lord's. The sling is the Lord's. I'm the Lord's. He's in charge of this thing. And, and even when we go out and fight a giant in our life and we get crushed, since he owns death, breathe life back into us, put us back on the path, we get to go fight again. Right? That's the beautiful thing. Here's what I want you to know today, and I got to close. The battle is the Lord's. Your battle is the Lord's. The pain that you're experiencing, he's going to get you through it. The, the hardship, the struggle, the difficulty, the battle that's bigger than you, he doesn't want you to avoid it. He wants you to attack it. He wants to advance you through it. He's got a purpose and a plan for you. Let's go get it. Amen. Let me pray. Let me pray for you. Lord, we just thank you for your word. It is so enriching, so nourishing to our soul. It is so powerful. God, I pray that whatever it is you're trying to communicate to each and every one of us, that it would just sink into our heart today. It would fill us with courage, fill us with fearlessness to go, to run to the battle line, not from the battle line, to not only face our problems, but to attack our problems, to head straight into the fray because we have faith in the power of the God who owns the battle. God, I pray that each person here would experience your strength today. Whatever it is they're going through, let us experience your strength, your power, and let us 
Let us fight to your glory, to your praise, and to your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.